0: Welcome to the Massive Attack podcast. This is 2021. Do you know where your children are? (laughs) I am the host, Mitch, and with me as always is Joe. How are
1: you? Hello, Mitch. Happy New Year, (laughs) even though we're... Yeah. We're two weeks into January. I can still say that because it's the first time I've talked to you and it's the first yes. time I've talked to the listeners.
0: Yes, correct. So, this is episode 114 of The Massive Attack and it is back to an old format. We are doing A to Z to Electric Boogaloo. That's right. We are going back to the A to Z format for the podcast. So tonight we are going to be doing A and for the rest of the year we'll work through our alphabet and talk about a topic for that episode. So today is A and what are we talking about today Joe?
1: Well as you said we're talking about a topic. If I was to read this intro to a TV show from the 80s, would you remember this TV show? So, in 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men properly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, and if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-team. So, yes, ah. we're looking at Benson. <laughs> no, that's next month, where we do the B episode. So, so we are looking at the classic 80s TV action show, The 18. team The a So there are so many iconic things about The 18. I don't even know where we want to start. But obviously the theme song is something that stuck with me for a very long time when I was a kid it did start initially in america in 1983 i don't think we got it in australia for a couple of years after that i'm not 100 percent sure so it may be because i was living in the country and we only had two tv channels you may have different story about when you started watching it
0: i I also don't remember when i'm always confused because they talk about transformers and he-man and knight rider and all that and it always seems to have started well before i saw it so that does make sense Mm -hmm. that we may not have got to hear straight away.
1: I can definitely remember watching it when I was living in Adelaide and I didn't move to Adelaide until 1985. So it may have been later. And I can remember that in sort of halfway through 86, we moved from Adelaide to Victoria and we drove and we stopped at Horsham overnight On the way, and while I was in the motel in Horsham, they had the episode that was the wrestling crossover episode that was on TV when I was there. So that was sort of mid 86. So maybe we did get it on time. Maybe I just was a bit behind because, as I said, we were living in the country and we didn't have a lot of options for TV channels. But I can remember being obsessed with this when I was a kid. There was just something about the fact that it was just all action probably not aimed at that sort of age that i was but i was totally enthralled with it so i would have been early teens when i first saw it so it probably been about 13 14 sort of time and yeah just dudes running around blowing shit up and shooting people perfect show for a teenager to be watching it. Right. no they did you're right they didn't shoot people they shot at people and the bad guys shot at them but most of the time they didn't kill people it was more just a sort of taking them out of commission but not actually killing them so they were they were the batman of their time
0: they were mm. my memory of it the same as you i don't remember when i first watched it, it was a big deal but i don't have vivid memories of it like specific memories of it, it was just the car was cool i had a matchbox car of the car and i have bought a hot wheels of it in the last year But yeah <laughs> it's Mr. T was it, like it was yep. all about Mr. T. And I actually had the Corvette Matchbox car as well. Face oh. the Corvette car. So I had those two toys. That were the two toys I did have. I have fond memories of it. The music, like you said. But yeah, as far as the show, I couldn't tell you any episodes I remember. I remember one where they made a platform and they made people who stood on it. The, the, he put, did the compressed air and flipped over. But I reckon so that,
1: that, that yeah. could have been any episode. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I don't think that was special. But yeah, so very fond memories of it. But, yeah, not specific memories, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. We'll talk a a little bit about the history of the program before we talk about the premise. So it was created by Stephen J. Cannell, who is quite a famous television writer. He had done a lot of things prior to this, and he created it with another dude called Frank Lupo, who I I recognize the name, but I'm not sure exactly what else he has done. Just looking at the wiki, he had written for Battlestar Galactica, and he also wrote a couple of episodes of Magnum P.I. So he was sort of around that sort of era as well, writing. Stephen J. Cannell was pretty much a big name in TV writing prior to The A-Team. He'd done The Rockford Files. He'd worked on Beretta back in the 70s as well. Also created The Greatest American Hero, so that's something to be pretty proud of. And after The A-Team, he went on to write Hardcastle and McCormick and Riptide as well, so two other great shows. And actually, he also co-wrote Riptide with Frank Lupo. So, yeah. So they they must have had a bit of a uh, a collaboration going there. But apparently, when it first came out, so yeah. he just moved from ABC to NBC, and the NBC president was sort of like, well, you know, you're this big gun TV writer. Why don't you write me a hit? He came up with the concept of the A-Team, basing it on movies like mission impossible and the dirty dozen and just sort of went you know this is my pitch let's see how we go and he was pretty confident that it was going to be a hit and obviously nbc were pretty keen because they aired the first ever episode directly after the super bowl in 1983 so it had that flow on sort of audience from the super bowl so it became a hit pretty much straight away
0: uh he, oh, it, it grew bigger It wasn't an immediate hit. It was like number four, I think. So it was it was popular, but I think when it got to peak, it was up there. It was like massive numbers. We're talking 25 million people watching an episode at least. Mm -hmm. Crazy numbers
1: but it it did go on to have five seasons and 98 episodes so reading the premise of it there's a couple of episodes in season five where they talk about extra characters being brought in so i reckon i probably fell off the boat before then and i wasn't watching the end of it because it didn't sound like anything i remember
0: remember. that yeah the ratings started to fall like it was a popular show for three years season four the numbers dropped quite dramatically and i think people just got sick of it because it was literally the same every episode and the premise of the show was that they were a crack team of commandos, Yep. you know, tried for a crime they didn't commit, and they were on the run. But what they did, like the Equalizer, they would go out and help people. If they needed help, they would do it. And I can't remember how people found out about them. There was a way. If they needed help, the A-team would help them. And there was always the army after them because they were on the run. They were, you know, not deserters, but they were, you know, wanted criminals, I guess. And there was always a general of some sort chasing them like thunderbolt ross chasing the hulk to go mm. that. but anyway so by the end of season four they actually got arrested and put in jail and executed but they didn't actually get executed they were basically became a suicide squad essentially it's like you work for us now you work for the government you do what you're doing but we'll send you on missions and they sort of bought in yeah an extra crew member and there was a um like the general again, but in charge. It was sort of an adversary slash their boss. But I don't remember any of that. No. So it, I was definitely gone by that point. Whether it even made it to air here, I'm not sure. Maybe
1: not. Hmm. Because but, Australian
0: TV was weird like i mean i think america like friday night's a big night for tv over there and saturdays or whatever but that was like tuesday night here or something like that on channel 10 or channel 9. yeah it was 10 or 10. Like that 7 30 to 8 30 was that prime you know family action tv show yeah night rider time slot that sort of thing air wolf but yeah so the premise of the show like i just said was you yeah, had this team of four Vietnam vets. They, they were in a crew together back in the Vietnam. There was Hannibal. I don't know his full name, but Hannibal. Hannibal and Smith. He's the leader, played by George Papad. And he's sort of your planner. He's a guy who comes up with the ideas. He's a master of disguise, if not problematically racist. And, yeah, he's the older... Statesman of the group as well. Yep. I think he's a veteran of the Vietnam War plus another war on top yeah. of that. So, yep, he's in charge. Then there's Face, which is...
1: Oh, Jack Benedict, Peck, yep.
0: Played by Jack Benedict, Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. Yep. I think his name's Templeton Peck. He's Face, it the is, face yes. man, who, who's the um, con man, basically. Yep. So he's the guy who gets stuff. He's the forger. He's the one who, you need a car, I'll get you a car. You need this, I can get you that. Or you need me to sweet talk this lady and to give me the keys to a hotel room, I can do that too. So that was him, the charming one. There's howling mad Murdoch, who's the guy who can fly anything, but he crashed a helicopter in Vietnam and he's loony. Crazy. So he's actually in a mental asylum, and they have to break him out nearly every episode to go on a mission. Yep. And he's literally crazy. Like, he's problematic sometimes to the job where, you know, he could flip out on them at any point and can cause issues in the, um, the mission they're doing. And the last of the main crew is B.A. Barakas, or Bad Attitude Barakas, played by... Mm-hmm mr t mr t that's right clubber lang from rocky three yes yeah, yeah, so, so
1: he probably would have only done rocky three prior to this so that would have been his big selling point i guess before the 18 when was when was rocky it
0: was just before this it mm. was Rocky Three the program yes now uh, we should maybe t we should i know it's sitting in there a long time away but t we may we should do mr t yeah We've talked about him a lot on this show already, because we did this mm-hmm. Christmas special a couple of years back. But anyway, Mr. T, he was a bodyguard to the stars, wasn't he?
1: He was, yes.
0: Was it Sidney Law, bro?
1: But, see, I don't know if that was true or whether they just no, put I'm that not. in, because it was part of the whole rock and oh, wrestling, wrestling collection before okay, WrestleMania 1. So.
0: Okay. no, But he was a bodyguard. Yeah. And that's sort of where he was noticed. I think Stallone noticed him and said, yeah, you'd be great in a movie and stuff. And... If you don't know who Mr T is, he's a he's a he's a very tough-looking African American with a shaved mohawk, yep. with many many gold chains and gold rings on his fingers and feather you know feathered um, earrings and all this sort of stuff. Quite a bold look. It's very flamboyant looking. Yeah. And but he talked like Muhammad Ali. He had the rhymes and the rhythms and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, he he made his big break in the Rocky Three movies, Clubber Lang and they essentially he didn't audition for this role they wrote this role for him everyone else auditioned they wanted james coburn or someone like that for hannibal but george papad got the gig because he was actually going to be the fourth ice character in dynasty but he pissed too many people off and they sacked him from that before it started filming so he got the gig on the a-team they also wrote the face character for dirk benedict but they yep. went with someone else for the pilot, but he looked too young to be in Vietnam. So they ended up getting face back anyway. So, mm. and with Murdoch, they auditioned him and they said, you're going off the dial. You're doing really well. Cause the person, when they auditioned him and they, his tape or whatever they did, he wasn't, he was over the top. He was very, he's very max headroom. He's very Matt for before Matt for That's who I see him as yep. and very Jim Carrey before Jim. Carrey. Yes. Very Definitely much that. Mm. And he was like really playing to the masses. So if you want to go back, Frank Gorshin in Batman, in the Riddler in Batman, that's the original person, I reckon. But yeah, he's very good. And they thought he was a bit too over the top and a bit too much, but they showed it to test audiences and they have what they call a dial. So it's like the old paddle on the Atari, going back to the first episode of the A to Zs back in the day. If you like what's going on, you turn it to the right and it's good. And if you're bored or don't like, you go to the left. And they sort of record your feelings to the show as you're going along and yeah whenever he was on screen and acting they dialed him up and they loved mm. him so that's when they sort of go oh maybe he's we're onto something here so yeah that's how he sort of came in so that's the four main members of, of the crew there was always a helper as in someone who they used as an intermediary if they needed the 18 yep. They went through it was a lady now they never kept a lady on a, for more than one season they sort of hmm. kept moving them
1: on. Right, originally, there was a, a reporter that was trying to track them down or something, wasn't there, where she was sort of chasing after them to find out who the A-team really were or whether they actually existed. I think so. Yeah. But later, as the episodes went on, she became almost part of the team, I think it was.
0: Yeah.
1: So Amy Allen was her character's name, and she was played by Melinda Cooler, I think it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Which... A lot of these actors and actresses that are in this, I'd never heard of. Like, George Papad was probably the biggest name. And really, I don't know if any of them have really gone on to bigger and better things since the 18. Like, Mr. T is obviously a household name, but not many people would know who Dirk Benedict or Dwight Schultz are. Obviously, George George Papad's no longer with us. He died not that long after the 18 finished, actually, back in 94 was when George Papad died. But, yeah, I, I don't know if this was something that propelled them to greater things or whether it was just the fact that they made so much money out of the a-team they didn't need to work anymore but hmm. Mm. Uh yeah so you said the the premise of the show was kind of similar every episode so they would always get a client that would need them for something they would make this elaborate sort of story about how they need to help this person and nearly every episode would end with them somehow being trapped somewhere with no weaponry and ba mr. T would make weapons out of tools and other things so they could save the day or bust out of wherever they were or or just yeah do good without killing people as we said before and I really think that is what led it down is the fact that every episode is that similar sort of That's premise
0: same. Like, I mean, I went on YouTube last night to see, do I watch, like, a bit of research to go? Do I watch a whole episode? I'll see what YouTube's got for me. And it was literally, there's a lot of 10 minute clips out there because it's the last 10 minutes of the episode where they do the montage of them setting up for the last battle and then yeah. the battle. So the one yeah. I watched last night, this was in a, a convent and these bikings were sort of taking over, trying to take over the convent. So they were protecting the convent and helping them. So, they, you know, the end of Three Amigos, basically. So they said it. Yep. You got this montage of BA working on the hydraulics for some platforms, hailing Man Murdoch's putting some Molotov cocktails together, Faces doing something else, and George Papad's getting an office chair and a 44-gallon drum and a machine gun and making a little turret. <laughs> yeah and okay so that's all good then they were ready and then the bike is sent up the next and they're sort of running and attacking and every time they climb over the wall they stand on a platform and ba turns the nozzle on these um hydraulics and they flip over the wall and you get like literally the same stunt three times to show that you've got hailing man throwing his molotov cocktails just blowing shit up everywhere motorbikes are going and the stunts i must say are pretty amazing some of these guys are throwing themselves like you would not
1: yeah exactly
0: Yep. I was like, oh my god! I was like, how are you not dead? Like, you saw everything from the bike crashing to him flying over the top and landing on what looked like hard soil, but it was probably matted, but it still looked hard. So I was like, well done, kudos to you, stuntman. You were going nuts. But it was the eighties, though. Probably on a lot of coke. Probably didn't feel a thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it was cool. Like, and it was great to watch because it was so familiar and it was so comfortable to watch because like, oh yeah, this is exactly what it was like. But if that's what it was like for 98 episodes, yeah, I can understand yeah. why people go, hang on, it's the same. So, yeah.
1: But As you said before, though, there was that sort of ongoing storyline of the fact that Murdoch was in the mental institution. So there was always the, how do we break him out? This is what we're going to do for yeah, this so episode. There's
0: always an elaborate play there. It's like, yeah. oh, how are we going to do it this time? So it was always a quirky, fun way of breaking him out of, the, out of his
1: mental yeah. institution. And uh, the other, other thing was, yeah, so the other thing was that BA didn't like to fly, so there would be the ongoing, each episode is like. When they had to fly somewhere, it was like, well, what do we do to try and get BA to fly? So some episodes they would have to knock him out with tranquilizers. There was another episode where they had to um, hypnotize him to be able to fly. And anytime they said the word clips, he passed out. And they were in the middle of a firefight at the end of the episode, and, and BA's uh, not ba uh, face had run out of bullets in his gun, and he's like, somebody hand me the clips. And then BA just passes out in the middle of a gunfight, sort of thing. But Hello. that. Oh, that was one of the good ones. So, <laughs> so th- they did have those little ongoing things. It was it was very episodic, though. So there was no real carryover from one episode to another, other than the fact that yeah, the, the army were chasing them, trying to catch them. But you could watch any of these episodes in any order, and it wouldn't really matter, I don't think. There was no real continuity in the episodes. I think there was a couple of recurring characters with people that came in as... As their helpers or, you know, people in the local area that they were like, well, you know, this guy's good. Let's go to him and he'll get us guns or or what have you. But, yeah, it, it was pretty much you could watch one episode, you could watch 20 episodes and it didn't really matter. And I think the fact that there was probably a lot of reruns on telly down here made the fact that it it didn't matter if you'd seen the episode before because you kind of knew what was going to happen anyway, even if you hadn't seen it. The other thing we probably need to mention is the fact that there was a pretty good toy tie-in back in the 80s as well. So I don't know if you ever had the toys, but uh, Galoob made a series of figures. So there's actually two sets of figures. So there was bigger figures that were probably sort of a little bit bigger than a He-Man sort of size that were pretty much fully articulated, came with a bunch of weapons and stuff that were really good figures. And there was also another series of figures that were kind of G.I. Joe size. So the three and a half inch figures, I never had the small ones. I only ever had the bigger ones, but after a couple of years as well, they released a, a series of four bad guys that kind of, played off the same sort of quirks as the a-team themselves but it was like the bad guy figures were from a different series they they were different articulated they were almost a different scale and the just the detail of them was kind of it oh, just generic, reeked of cash, cash in.
0: probably just generic toys from another line They go. i'm sure they were team branding on this and be done with
1: it Yeah. Yeah, there was also an 18 van that was the same scale as the big figures, but unfortunately I never had that. It was pretty expensive, I think, back in the day. But I, I can definitely remember having my 18 figures and really liking them. And I think there was actually two versions of Mr. T that they released. They released one in like jeans and his denim jacket with all his gold. And then they released another one, which was in his boxing gear or his wrestling gear or something Mm -hmm. as well in the same series. But yeah, I I kind of wish I still had them. No, the 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 original one was, yeah. Well, I'd probably spend a lot of money on them on eBay, but you you could almost say that the van itself was a character in the program. It's like, it was
0: like, I love my car culture. Hence my Hot Wheels love. Yeah. I talk about Hot Wheels a lot and I buy, and what I buy is character cars. So, I've got a lot of Superman and Star Wars cars and Marvel and DC. And I love my cars that are iconic. I've got a bunch of Batmobiles and I have iconic from TV shows. So, I've got the DeLorean, I've got the Turtle Van, I've got things like that. And yeah, the 18 band is one. And I grew up having the 18 band and, like I said, the Corvette because Face had this um, white Corvette with red stripes on it. Yep. And it was just, yeah. and yeah, and I love that. Because I grew up in that era of eighties TV, where all the cool shows I watched seemed to have a car. Yeah, so the exactly. Knight Rider had Kit, Fall Guy had his Ford Bronco, which I had, I had Matchbox cars of those two. Yeah. Uh, Hardcastle McCormack he had his, was a red sports car of some sort. Yeah. Stingray was a show called Stingray, and the guy had a freaking Stingray. The Screaming Mimi was the helicopter in Rip but everyone sort of had their vehicle. Starsky and Hutch had the red Charger.
1: Magnum um, had his Ferrari.
0: Exactly. There's so many. And, and to me, that's what made the show cool. Even the the professionals had a Capri, the Ford Capri. They were all <laughs> so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah. And we've talked about smoking the band in the past. So, you know, yeah. it's, I grew up and they were just the best thing. I love the cars. So, you know, this is right up my alley. And the fact they had the GMC van with the big red racing structure on the side, it was just so cool. Mm-hmm. When I think the A-Team, I think B-A-Barackis, that van, and the theme song.
1: Yep, definitely. So... Back in two thousand and ten they tried to do a reinvention of the A Team and they did a movie version of it. Yep. So like a lot of things that were popular in the eighties, we had a lot of remakes and reboots yep. in the early two thousands and the A Team was no exception. So they made a movie of it starring Liam Neeson as Hannibal, Bradley Cooper as that's face.
0: Good, good casting. That's a, that's a good cast.
1: Yeah, I thought Brother so.
0: Cooper's face. Good, good cast. As well. Charismatic, good looking bloke. That works. Yep. Shelter Copley is is Murdoch, which was an interesting casting, but it kind of worked. No yep. issue there. But the one that got me wrong, it's like the Barakis is a hard one to cast. Like, yep. What is Mr. T is so iconic. How do you cast that person? And maybe they did the right thing by not trying to. Now, I don't know if you remember, there was a commercial for. Reebok, I think it is. Yeah. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And now this guy was sort of a, an equivalent sort of thing. He was a character. He was the office linebacker. So yep. he was this like trash talking, kick ass, you know, football player that worked in an office. So he was slamming people through walls and doing all this sort of stuff because they didn't clear paper jams in the photo printer and all this sort of shit. Yep. And he was great. That character version was great. And I would have liked that. But what they did was they went, and at the time we were into a little bit into our MMA. You more than me. They went with Rampage Jackson, yep. who was a legit tough guy. Which Mister T apparently is a legit tough guy. So okay, they went with a legit tough guy, but he had no charisma. Well, Mister T is all charisma.
1: I'd say I disagree there because I think Rampage Jackson did have charisma. He just didn't have movie charisma, like. He had MMA charisma because he was that guy that would come down to the ring with the chain around his neck. He would, yeah, he, he would try and do that Muhammad Ali, Mr. T sort of verbiage yeah. when he spoke. And what was really popular about him is he was a big black dude, mainly fighting in Japan at that stage. And the Japanese just go crazy for big black dudes to beat up on Japanese guys. So he got his start in Pride in Japan. And then when. The Zufa guys that owned UFC bought out Pride. They brought him back to America and he became a star in UFC. But he really earned his stripes in MMA in Pride, so in Japan. And he had a lot of charisma, but I don't think he had any acting ability, which is what really let him down in the 18.
0: But he wasn't a fun character. Like that show, the show centered around BA. And admittedly, we were like 10 to 12 years
1: old. Yeah.
0: And he was the coolest thing ever. I think they were going for an older audience who loved Rampage. Maybe. And that was was sort of one of the selling points. Like, all the rest of the cast were fine, but you needed to sort of really get behind Rampage, and I didn't. Mm. And maybe that was my own fault, bringing Mr. T. Love to it going yep. you're not mr t maybe for a younger audience that don't give a shit they would have been fine i don't know but to me that was just wrongly cast it just didn't work but on top of it another reason it didn't work is because it's shit yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's not very well written they kind of tried to modernize it and made it that they were a team of commandos from the iraq war just rather than sense. vietnam
0: which it's, yeah. is fine that's iron did the same thing Mm. That all works. I, I totally get that. It makes sense. But if you really want to see a great take on the movie, go to CinemaSins on YouTube. Oh, did they not like it? Okay. It like, you had this cold open where they, they sort of all just happened to meet each other in New Mexico. Yep. That's how they sort of came together. And it was like, oh, you're all bloody rangers or whatever they were meant to be. Of course, you know, mercenaries, or not mercenaries, but Green Berets or whatever. And they just happened upon each other. It's not like they were a team that was together and all that sort of shit. So they happened upon each other, worked really well in a situation, and then became a team that worked together Mm. in the army. Then they got stitched over by a bad dude in the army, so then they got dishonorably discharged and then went to jail and broke out. That's all put in the start. And as they said, it's like, it's taken 35 minutes to do this where the opening credits of the TV show didn't, you know, it's like it's 30 seconds in the TV show to tell you what you've just done in a half hour, and they did a better in the TV show. Yeah, And definitely. that's part of the problem there. It just over-explained. It just wasn't fun. It was just stupid, and yeah, it just wasn't cool. And it came mm. out around the same time as the movie The Losers, which is based on a DC comic. And The Losers is a better version of an 18 film, Yeah, really. So if you're going to watch any film, watch the losers. If you're going to watch a TV show, watch the A team. But you don't need to watch a lot of it. No. You sort of get the gist. Yeah. So that cinema Since is actually quite funny. It goes for about 25 minutes, half hour. It's really good. Yep. Cool. Yeah. But what you can also check out is bringing back the A team. I think it's called. I'll just check on YouTube.
1: Yes, it is. Yep. Oh.
0: You know, did you watch
1: it? Yeah, it was a an English TV show where they would bring bring back well, people that were starring TV a, shows. A or...
0: British comedian called Justin Lee Collins, he was a big fan of the A-Team and he goes to America to bring it back. I uh, do know if it was around the time of the movie or not, but it was 2002 maybe, maybe even later, or 12. and it's from... Yeah. Anyway, so he he goes to LA, and he goes to sort of bring them together. And the idea is it's meant to be it's guerrilla filmmaking. It's quite funny. He's dropping the F-bomb in it, so I don't know what – it must be ITV or something like that. Yep. And he's there going, oh, we're going to do this. I'm going to try and find them. I've got word that what's his name's here. So the guy playing Murdoch is doing some voice – auditioning for a voice recording role. So he sort of just – stumbles in on there saying oh please can you do this i'm trying to bring everyone back i want to do this can you do it can you do it and he has a little quick sit down interview with him and he goes yeah we're trying to do a reunion will you come and he goes yeah sure have you got tea and he goes i want to get tea and he goes you won't get tea so yeah fair enough and then he goes and he finds murdoch and he he, he keeps trying to find mr t and he keeps missing out and then he goes and found murdoch and he talks to him for a bit and he goes yeah i'll come to reunion and then you get in Little bits of more information about his talking about George Papad and he didn't like Mr. T very much and all this sort of stuff.
1: But well, I think at the of that. going by most things, George Papad didn't like most of the people that he worked with.
0: He's just an arsehole by the sound yeah. Well, he got the sack from Dynasty, so, uh, you know, he's just not nice. And this was also a time when if you went from movies, he was a movie star, he was in Breakfast at Tiffany's, he was in mm. Damnation Alley, you know, which was the A film to Star Wars B film, but anyway. So he, you know, he was a big movie star who had to slum it to go to TV. And that's what TV was back then. It was slumming it. If you were a movie actor and you went to TV, your career was going backwards. They say that, but James Garner went from like Magnificent Seven and The Great Escape to Maverick and Rockford Five. Or maybe they weren't. I don't know. But anyway, he considered it anyway. But he thought he was and He went to the show and he hated Mr. T because Mr. T was the star. And Yeah, and that's what Kirk, um, Dirk Benedict was saying, he goes, Oh, I heard there was a bit of rivalry there and he goes, Yeah, he uh, George Papada would be there saying, Oh, can you please tell T to please come in a little bit quicker on the line? And they're standing right next to each other. So Dirk's like, Okay, yeah, um T, um George would like to and Mr T's just laughing. He goes, okay. Yeah, uh George would like you to um come in a little bit earlier on the line he goes, Yeah, okay and he goes, Yeah, he settled do that. <laughs> He'll do his best by the side. So it sounds like it wasn't the funnest set to be on. So, yeah. yeah, so he found Dirk Benedict. Then he went and got one of the lady from season two that was in the show, talked to her, got her in. But it was sort of made on this concept that he was stalking them and finding them randomly. Okay. Uh, you, you can't just do You can't run around with the film crew and that and stumble upon these people. But it yep. made it fun enough for what it was. He's very high energy. He's very funny. I mean, she talked about being on the show for a year and he goes, why did the women only last one year? And it's like, yeah, well, the first day of filming, I turn up one minute late to my to make-up on the first day of filming, and he's already in the chair. And he goes, you're one minute late. And he mm-hmm. goes, can you come see me in my caravan when you're, you're done? And he walked down, and he goes, look, I don't care. It's nothing against you, but we don't want you on the movie. We don't need a woman on the show. <laughs> it's just like oh okay and then at the end they didn't renew a contract at the end of the season and he mm. sat it down at the end he goes look i told you on day one that we didn't want you there's nothing against you you were incredibly professional you were perfectly fine we just don't need you <laughs> it's like yeah you're a prick <laughs> pretty yeah. much yeah so he got all those people together and he talked to the the show creator one of the one of the creators. You know, um, on the end of the different TV shows where the dude with the beards typing on the typewriter and then he pulls out the bit of paper and it becomes an animation? Yep. That guy.
1: That's Stephen J. Kennel, isn't
0: it? Yes. So mm. he found him. He stalked him and found him, and he still looks pretty good. So he talked to him about the creating of the show and all this sort of stuff, and he did finally find Mr. T. He got to talk to Mr. T for a quick di- an interview, and he was on. Like Mr. T was like on, like talking, bam, 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 bam. But he talks about George Papad, and he said, yeah, he hated me because <laughs> <He goes, laughs> I was the star. And it's like, he wanted to do stuff and he goes, I wanted to do this. And Mr. T was huge. Like there's a photo of him with Nancy Reagan sitting on his knee because they were yep. doing, he was very anti-drug, was very pro, a lot of things. got to treat your mother right. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah, he's there and George Papad goes, yeah, I was at the White House the other day. And they go, no, you weren't. And then this photo shows up with Nancy Reagan sitting on his knee. I was <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, you were. I was like, I want to be on this. And George was trying to get some, like, covers of stuff, magazines. And, and they go, oh, can you get tea? <laughs> it's like, grub, grub, grub. So, yeah, it, it's, it was the Mr. Tea Show. And that's what George Papad didn't like, and yeah. being a movie star and all those sort of things. So it's a it's a fun little show. this It goes for about an hour, I think. And with YouTube, you can you know watch your time at half it's pretty good and yeah so he actually did get a reunion mr t didn't show up to the reunion so i don't know what his problem is like none of them said i'll get T." you won't get him you won't get him so but everyone else turned up for a get together so they had a couple of the generals that were chasing him around and george papad's son turned up so you didn't really see their get together they saw them all get there and say hello when they hadn't seen each other for 20 years apparently but yeah, that was it. Was kind of cool. So it's actually a nice little doco, and it sort of encapsulates the A team better than we have right now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's. But with the actors, so it's yeah, it's kind of cool. And I didn't know Tia Carrera was in it.
1: She was going to yeah, be yeah, she the first was in season five.
0: five. Now mm. she was going to be
1: okay.
0: Like she played one of the general's daughters. Like she yep. was half Vietnamese from um, when they were in Vietnam, and he was always chasing the A team. And then she got kidnapped, and the A team helped him get her back hmm. but it's also famous because they talked to him about it it's like no one died in the a-team except one person and it was him so they yeah. end up saving his daughter which is tia carrera and as they're going to the helicopter he gets shot in the back and dies and it has a seven minute long death scene
1: <laughs> yeah I, I really her. don't remember that so it must have been after i'd stopped watching by then
0: yeah it's like he's the only one to die in the show ever, 98 episodes and the amount of explosions, crashes and bullets and Molotov cocktails yeah, he was the only one to die, so he was pretty proud of that, they were quite funny because they said oh, they were talking to Canal, Stephen Canal and they said, yeah, they paid all this money for this helicopter crash from a James Bond movie to use footage in the thing, so they're having this helicopter chase and this helicopter crashes in and they use the footage of the crash and they even, it was a joke by that point, so we're talking later on, where they realized no one was dying yeah. So they had the crash. It's it, the helicopter fucking explodes and rolls down the side of a mountain. <laughs> and then they cut to a scene where there's a burning helicopter and the two guys get out of it, <laughs> dust themselves off, just to show that they survived it. <laughs> it's just like, okay, it's 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 fun and silly.
1: It's fun and silly, exactly. And the trouble is, I I don't think it holds up anymore. It's very problematic in the fact that, as you said, that there's no real quality female characters in it at all. There's token females but there's never a recurring well other than amy that was in a couple of seasons there's even she didn't get you know a a decent role in the show it's very male centric it's testosterone filled it probably doesn't hold up now as far as some of the things that they did in the episodes
0: well there's one footage they show in the in in that reunion thing and it's hannibal in full-on blackface because he was the master of disguise exactly you know, I understand it wasn't a racist thing, but it's just, it still just looks so wrong now when you watch it. But it's like, yeah. okay, yep, <laughs> not cool. Mm-hmm. If, but if yeah, did, the, the one thing they were saying with, um, I think it was Dirk Benedict, was one of them, the yeah, actors, anyway, he was talking about George Papad saying, if someone had a gun on set and you'd look at it, he'd come back, go to the prop department, come back, and he'd have a bigger gun. He could yeah. not have the biggest or whatever.
1: He was well, like there was one scene where he had an M60, so that's mm. pretty much the biggest gun you can carry. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, so he's, obviously, he was problematic to a point. But, and, yeah, not like, it's funny, because they seem to like each other. And you look at this, I know it's a job, mm. and you're, you're being paid pretty well for it, I assume. But they're yeah. long days, it's tiring, you're in the sun, you're, you know, nights and days and all this sort of stuff. You'd want to be getting along with the people you work with. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. It just seems like, if it was that fun? I don't know. It seems tough.
1: But anyway. Mm. If you did want to watch it, I think there are some full episodes floating around on YouTube. There's definitely a lot of clips on YouTube, as you said, of like you know the last couple of minutes of an episode of them doing things. Yep. I think one of the Foxtel channels had it for a little while. I think it was TV One was showing repeats, but I'm not sure if that's still the case. But I'm, I'm sure it's out there if you really wanted to watch it so in wrapping up it was good at the time i don't know if it's still good now but i have fond memories of it so Me you
0: were... i mean i love it for what it was and i yeah. have fond memories but i in the mid 2000s to late 2000s i was watching shows like burn notice yeah which is just that it's exactly that it's a cia guy who got burnt and now he's sort of like what's going on so he's trying to clear his name and he's taking on these goodwill missions to help people out while trying to clear his name and he's using ingenuity and all that sort of stuff yeah it's exactly that it's a formula that still works and it can be modernized to today obviously you're going to kill a lot more people and those sort of things but you know it, it, it's fun you just mm. you know and you know, but you could make even a fun version of it if you want to make a fun Action film, like you watch something like *Scorpion*. That's that's that as well. Yeah. Which is a bunch of you know autistic and those sort of people who are super smart and they use their smarts to get away, you know, and do these sort of things. It's it's a premise that can still work and does. Yeah. You know, as long as people are willing to go there. Mm.
1: Yeah. So if you were to look back now, you said you didn't really remember any particular episodes, but if you were to say, would you have a favourite character out of the A team? Would it have been Mister T, Bear oh
0: yeah, I'd say so. I think because he was Mr. T. Yeah, and he had the band.
1: Yeah, see, I was a fan of Mr. T, but I think if I had to pick my favourite character, it would always be Murdoch. I can remember when I was a kid, there was a group of us as friends that we would like play a team in the playground. I was always get to be Murdoch. So yeah. Well, watching
0: these clips last night, there was a bit where Murdoch came out and he was clocking like a chicken and walking around like a chicken in front of all these dudes with guns. Mm. And his
1: physical
0: humour was. Great right yeah and it's like oh that's quite funny and quite good. very Jim Carrey yeah it has to be like you know, inspiration I reckon and it's like I reckon so if I watched it more now I would definitely like Murdoch yeah because I did like him but yeah and I always have vivid memories of him in that wedding dress that's a yes. vision that's a, that is a vision <laughs> that I, I have it's like as soon as I saw it yesterday when I was looking at some pictures like I do remember that I don't know why maybe it was in the opening credits every time I don't know but I do remember him in that wedding dress
1: all righty. Well, that's probably a nice place to wrap up our first I of our eight so. We've We've pretty much covered the A-team as far as it probably needs to be covered in 2021. I think so. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you very much, Mitch. It was fun yeah. to do a bit of research and come up with an episode rather than just spouting what we've been doing. So,
0: Looking back at our youth.
1: Yes. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks with our B episode. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're going to go spoilers and tell you anybody what we're doing. We're just going to drop the episode and say this is what we're going to do so
0: drop it like it's hot
1: yes it, it could be anything that starts with b that we could come up with the next episode we've been kind of tossing up some ideas similar to how we did fried chicken in the first season <laughs> of our to Zs and we're coming up with things we might be able to do for one of the letters when we get to it but yeah Anyway, thank you for listening. You can find us on thank our you. website. We are the We are the MA podcast on Twitter and we are on Facebook as Facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. So thank you very much. And until next time, we'll talk to you then. Okay. All right, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye.